0: Okay, I just want to remind you, we're going to to go through the lesson, and at the end, we're going to have you break up into groups, as we have normally been doing, and answer, we have, today, we have uh, three questions that we want you to answer, and we're going to try to bring some relevance out of what we're going to talk about today, with the sin of the golden calf, to our lives today. Because you might be shocked, well, we're not worshipping no golden calf, George, well, You might be shocked to find out that there are some similarities to where you and I are at today and there are some lessons that we can learn. Now again, we're not going to we're not going to read these passages, although I might read a couple here and there. There's a lot of material that we're covering as we're looking at chapters thirty two through chapters thirty four. Now, first of all, chapters thirty two and thirty three are gonna the first six verses of thirty three are going to talk about Israel's sin. And it's actually quite shocking when you think about it. So stop for a moment. I want to remind ourselves. Did Would you say that Israel had enough evidence that God existed? Like, what did he do for them? What did he do for them? Yeah, parted the sea, the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, the plagues back in Egypt, destroyed Egypt taking care of them while they're in the wilderness? Do you think when they woke up in the morning, they found what, manna? In the evening, they found what, quail? Was God taking care of them? Okay, so I want you to think about that. I mean, they just, we talked about this last week, he shows up on the mountain, and they're like afraid to go to the mountain because God's there. So it's almost like what we're going to look at here now doesn't make any sense, does it? No, no, it doesn't. So here's, here's what's going to happen. We're going to look at Israel's sin. So, first of all, because of Moses' absence on the mountain, they demanded that Aaron make them a god. All right, so Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God. He goes up there. Actually, Joshua is with him. Joshua's only partway up the mountain with him, but Moses goes up to meet with God for 40 days and 40 nights, okay? So he's gone for 40 days and 40 nights. So while he's gone, the people, or some of the people, approach Aaron, who's now the high priest, remember, the high priest of the Jewish faith and religion. And, and they say to him, we, we don't know where this Moses is. In fact, let's look at what the passage says. I think it's amazing, okay? Look, look with me, verses, verse 1 of chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Now consider what they're saying here, okay? Because it actually reflects what they're believing. Look at the last part. He says, as for this Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. Now to these folks, who brought them out of Egypt? Moses was it wasn't God, right? So listen to what it says. It says make us gods, plural, to go before us, because we don't know what happened to this Moses. He's the one who brought us out of Egypt. So they're not it's not equating in their brain that God is the one who brought them out of Egypt, right? It's not, it's not happening there. That's really Really quite shocking, isn't it? And they go to Aaron and, and they ask him to make us gods. Alright? Now, if you're Aaron and you've been with Moses from the beginning, I mean from the beginning. So you you're Aaron, you've been his right hand man, you've been his spokesman. And you've been with Moses from the beginning when he left he left of uh, his father. Moses' his father-in-law and came to Egypt and was there standing before Pharaoh and you you were the right-hand man who, when he, Moses did his thing with the rod and you saw God do this and you saw all this stuff, how would you respond to the people when they say, make us gods? How would you respond to them? Would you tell them, like, come on, he'll be back, you know what I'm saying? it's not Moses who, would you be like that or would you do like Aaron did? What did Aaron do? Uh, Tell tell all the ladies to give up their earrings and bring them to me. I mean, he capitulated immediately. He capitulated immediately. Aaron fashioned a molded calf with the earrings from the women. I mean, we're, we're talking a lot of gold here because we're talking about a million people. And so if you figure, you figure a 40, 50, you know, 40, 60 percent, you know, whatever. If they're 50, 50, that's, that's a lot of gold. Okay, go ahead. I'm not sure because they were shepherds. They were herdsmen. I'm not sure. So who knows why they chose a calf, okay? Later on, we're going to see as we get through beyond Exodus to the other books of the first five, we're going to see that some of the Israelites worship goats. They worship the goat gods, okay? So I'm not sure why, okay, Uh, but they chose a calf and Aaron fashioned a molded calf with the golden earrings from the women, okay? Alright, so, I mean, there's some serious things going on here. So, the Israelites proclaimed that the calf was the God who brought them out of Egypt. Whoa! So, they proclaimed that the calf is the one who brought them out of Egypt. Now, you're saying, what is going on in their minds? I already tell you what's going on in their minds because Paul tells you what's going on in their minds. He actually tells you what's going on in the minds of many who don't believe and create other gods. And that is in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through the end of the chapter. Saying that they became futile in their minds and exchanged the knowledge of the true God and worshipped the creature. Isn't that exactly what they're doing here? Isn't that exactly what they're doing here? So the Israelites proclaimed that the calf was the the God who brought them out of Egypt. So they offered incense and sacrifices to the calf as they engaged in festive immorality. The text implies through the original languages here that they did as the pagans did in their worships and basically... Had a festive orgy, a religious orgy. So this is what they're engaged in. It's like all restraints are let go. So they engaged in immorality. Okay? Immorality. Now when you get to chapter, when you get to chapter 32, verses 7 through 14. Moses finds out. Now, how Moses finds out is very interesting because when you look at verse 7, Moses finds out because God tells him what's going on. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down. He didn't just say, hey, go get down. It's like, go get down. It's got an explanation point there. Do you understand? He says, for the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have what? Corrupted themselves. All right, stop, because I think this is a good point to make. It's interesting. The Bible will often refer to your sin, my sin, as corruption. When we sin, we are corrupting ourselves from who we really were supposed to be. Isn't that interesting? You're corrupting yourself. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not who you're supposed to be. So God says to Moses, you need to get down there because the people have corrupted themselves. Okay, the people have corrupted themselves. So the Lord tells Moses that the people have sinned and that he will destroy them. God says, I'm going to wipe them out. I can't believe they have been complaining the whole time and and they've been grumbling and they've been doubting me and I'm going to wipe them out. Now, this is amazing because this tells you about Moses. I mean, if you're the leader and you've got to put up with a million stiff-neck complaining people, I think you'd want to get rid of them, right? You'd be like, I'm, I'm out of here. I mean, some of you are like, I can't put up with two people complaining, let alone a million grumbling and whatever. But Moses does something. and this tells you about the character of Moses. Moses intercedes for the people by reminding the Lord of his promise to the patriarchs. He's saying, Lord, you can't do that. Lord, spare the people. You can't, you can't do this. Remember, you made a promise to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that out of them would come a great nation that would be as, as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the sea. And you promised that you would give them this land. In fact, he goes one step further. He says, Lord, the people, the people will say that you, you destroyed Egypt and brought them out of Egypt only to kill them in the desert. So Moses is doing two things here. He's, he's, he's defending God's honor, but he's also what? Reminding God of his promises. Isn't that interesting? Of his promises. As Moses returned from the mountain, he and Joshua hear the sounds of the festival. So, so Moses comes down and he meets Joshua there. Joshua said, there's a great noise in the camp, like the sounds of a roar. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not the sound of war, that's the sound of music, festivities. So they're like carrying on down there. Okay, they're carrying on. So when Moses saw the golden calf, he broke the tablets of the law that God had engraved himself. Listen, Moses is carrying down with him the two tablets of the Ten Commandments that the scripture very clearly says that God etched in the stone with his own hand. Wouldn't that be something special? It reflected the covenant that God was making with Israel. So he goes down, he sees the golden calf. Moses is so enraged, he just destroys those tablets. He just destroys them. He breaks them there. Because he sees the golden calf. So Moses took the calf, he burned it, ground it into powder and made the people drink it. So he took that calf, burned it, gathered up the ashes, whatever's left there, ground it into powder, put it in water and made all of them drink it. This is a, you guys, the good got some power, obviously, to be able to do that, make a million people drink this, okay? As, as part of their reflection of their sin. Now it gets worse. The judgment gets worse. So he confronts Aaron, who said, the calf just fell out of the fire. I'm going to be honest with you, chapter 32 does not reflect well on Aaron, does it? I mean, Moses goes to him and says, what are you doing? Why did you do this? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you do this? Well, you know, Moses, we we threw some earrings into the fire and and out came the calf. Really? Really? I mean, Moses had to have been disappointed in his brother, right? Hey, now it's interesting because if you do a study on Aaron through the first five books, there's something going on with Aaron because later on you're going to see that two of his sons are killed because they offer strange fire on the altar. So unlike Moses, for some reason, they're not taking this serious. Would Would you say that? They're not taking... They're not taking their responsibility serious. They're not even taking their belief in God serious. And that's definitely being reflected here in the scripture when he. I mean, he's been with Moses from the beginning. He didn't do that. Hey, stop for a moment. What does that tell you? I mean, you can come to church. You can be involved with spiritual things. You can see God's hand answering prayer in people's lives. But is it possible to it never grab you? Yeah, it is possible, isn't it? In fact, isn't that, isn't that interesting that Jesus told a parable like that? He said about a sower went out and sowed seeds, and in the evening the enemy showed up and sowed thorns, and so the, the servant said to the master, should we pull up the thorns? And, and, and Jesus said, no, 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 you, you leave them. You leave the tares among the wheat because if you pull them up, that'll, that'll maybe hurt the wheat, but it'll be separated in the end when the angels come. So folks, even among us, even right here in this room, there are among us here people who do not believe. You need to grasp that. They, they say the right things. They maybe have even been baptized. But only God will, will judge in the end whether or not they truly know him or not, right? Only God. And so here we see somebody, I mean, Aaron, come on, Aaron. Really? So, Moses called those who had not engaged in the worship of the calf, and the Levites responded. Isn't that interesting? Moses is from the tribe of Levi, so is Aaron, but the Levites did not engage. So they, they he says, all those who did not partake in this stuff, come to me. And the Levites responded. The Levites responded, so Moses directed the Levites, gird on your swords, he directed the Levites to kill those who continued in their idolatry, and 3,000 men were killed that night. All right, now here's what I want you to understand. So when Moses shows up and you're caught doing something, do you keep doing what you're doing? Do you keep doing what you're doing? Well, there are obviously 3,000 dudes who did, Even though Moses destroys it, makes everybody drink the drink, guess what? There's still people who are are now openly still worshiping the calf, still engaging in the idolatry. So Moses tells the Levites, gird on your swords, go through the people, and that night 3,000 men are killed. You say, well, that's awfully brutal of him. No, that's what God demanded. Didn't God in the covenant, in the Ten Commandments, say that those who worship other gods, what would happen to them? Remember we went through the laws about how they were supposed to live in Canaan? What would happen to those who worshiped other gods, folks? They would be what? Killed among the Israelites. So that's what he's doing here. He's just fulfilling what God had called. I mean, very brutal, but Very direct. So Moses went to the mountain and interceded that God would forgive the people. Now, isn't this interesting? So Moses, he comes down here, comes down. I mean, he is he's dropping the hammer big time on them, right? Okay. But here's what I'm going to show you about the character of Moses. He's dropping the hammer, but guess what he does? He goes back up on the mountain and he pleads, God, please forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. That's amazing, isn't it? So the Lord directed the people to go to the appointed place and that he would punish them. He said, okay, you guys will go ahead. You'll go ahead to where I told you to go. Head towards Canaan. But I'm still going to punish you. I have to punish you. Still going to punish you. Got to face the consequences. So the Lord brought a plague upon the people because of the sin of the golden calf. A plague. What is that? Some kind of a disease struck them because of this. Wow. 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 Now, the Lord told Israel to go to Canaan, but that he would not go in their midst. Something's changed now, hasn't it? Remember, God said, build me a place and I'll be right in the midst of you. My presence will be with you. I'll be with you when you go up there. Now he says, you guys go on ahead to Canaan, but I'm not going. I'm not going. Isn't that interesting? I'm not going. So the people responded to the news by not putting on their ornaments to show their remorse. Now, you, you probably read that on your own, maybe, and you're like, Ornaments? What are ornaments? Okay, well, all right, do you have earrings, ladies? You have some earrings in? Okay. Guys, are you wearing a ring? Maybe you're a guy and you got an earring, okay? But, uh, you know, you, it's jewelry. Ornaments are the things that they would wear to reflect something, maybe a necklace. Maybe maybe it's rings, maybe it's a nose ring or an earring. They had nose rings, yes, they had nose rings. Okay, so what they did was is because of their mourning, they didn't wear any kind of ornament. Do you understand? They didn't wear any rings or whatever to reflect their remorse at the reality that God is not going to be with them. God is not going to be with them. Now it's interesting. All right. Would you say that they messed up big time? Okay, if it was you, I want you to put yourself in God's position for a moment. You're not God, but put yourself in his position for a moment. And you made an agreement with people, and you told them to worship you only, and all of this stuff, and then here they go. The first chance they get, they worship. They make a golden calf, and they worship it. Would you write them off? Would you be done with them? Maybe you've been appeased not to wipe them out. Obviously Moses did that. It's interceded. Okay, I'm not going to wipe them out. But would you, in, in, in your humanness, would you say, okay, I'm I'm done with these people. they have been grumbling, complaining ever since we left. And, you know, I've done all I can to help them. And I make this agreement. And they said they're going to follow it. Remember I told you, remember I kept emphasizing that they said, we'll do this, we'll do this. And would you say you're done with them? I mean, you've been patient, right? Would you write them off? Come on, be honest. Bruce says, yes, I would. Okay? How many of you would say, Gene says, I raised my hand to that one. Okay? All right, you would write them off. He didn't. God didn't write them off. Isn't that amazing? Why would he not write them off? Well, remember what Moses said to him. God, remember your promise. Your promise to who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, there are some folks today, there are some Christians, theologians, who believe that Israel disqualified themselves, so God has moved on to the church. And so the church is the new Israel. No, 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 folks. The church isn't the new Israel. Israel did not disqualify themselves because God is the one who made the covenant with them. And he's the one who will fulfill it because he's fulfilling his what? Promises. Do you understand? In fact, here's what we're going to see. When we get to the rest of chapter 33 into 34, we're going to see that the covenant is renewed. But chapter 33, verses 7 through 23, kind of reflects on the relationship that Moses has with God. This is what blows my mind. Moses has an intimate relationship with God. So Moses pitched a tent outside of the camp where he personally met with God. He pitched a tent. He called it the tent of meeting. Outside of the camp. So this is another place separate from the tabernacle. And he's outside of all of where Israel is dwelling. Okay, where a million people are camped. Those who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting. So, if you are interested in seeking God, you would go to the tent of meeting. Moses spoke face to face with God as a friend. That's an interesting thing. Spoke face to face with God as a friend. All right, stop for a moment. Hey, hey, how many of you? I, I, Pretty much everybody texts these days, right? Okay. Pretty much text. How many of you love texting? Nobody loves texting. How many of you would rather talk to somebody than text? But most people, when they contact you, it's through what? Text. There's nothing like meeting with somebody and talking to them. Even a phone call doesn't satisfy. There's nothing like meeting and talking to people what? Face-to-face. Why? Because that denotes a level of what? Intimacy, relationship. The scripture very clearly says that Moses met with God face to face. Now, it's not that he saw God's face. We're going to see that in a moment, that that's not. It's denoting, it's a statement reflecting intimacy. There's a relationship there, an intimate relationship there. So Moses pleaded that God would allow his presence to go with them, or they would not go. God says, I'm going to send you, but my presence isn't going to be with you. Moses says, wait a minute, now hold on, God. You have to go with us. Your presence is everything. If your presence is not going to go with us, we're not going to go. We need you with us. Your presence is what's real. Okay? Your presence is what's real. So the Lord responded to Moses and allowed him to see his back as he passed by. Because one of the things Moses is like, God, show me who you are. Show me, show me. God says, I can't show you. You'll die. But I'll pass by. And notice it says there, he put him in the cleft of a rock. I'll I'll put you in this one place. and, And then when I pass by, I'll let you know and you can look and you can see my backside. Wow. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? That's a relationship, isn't it? That's a relationship Moses has here. So the Lord called Moses to fashion two stone tablets like the two that were destroyed. So he's renewing the covenant. I want you to fashion two more stone tablets. So the Lord revealed himself to Moses by proclaiming who he was as he passed by. All right, now this, folks, is amazing to me. This, folks, is amazing to me. So when you look at chapter 34, let me turn there. I want you to listen, verse 6, what God says as he passes by. This is is who your God is, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Wow. Did you notice what he said, described about himself? He described himself as merciful and what? Gracious. But he's also holding people to account, right? Also holding people to account. That's your God. That's your God. Now, the Lord renewed the covenant with Israel. This is what blows my mind. Now, folks, here's the thing. This isn't just like a one-time, oh, it's a one-time thing, they'll learn their lesson, they'll never do it again. No. They'll keep doing it again for another thousand years. Just being very honest with you. Being very, very honest with you. So because of the encounter with the Lord, Moses' face shone with God's glory his face shone. In fact, there was a brightness to his face because he had seen the glory of God. The people could not speak with Moses unless his face was veiled. They couldn't handle seeing Moses' face because it shone with the glory of God because they were afraid they were going to die. So they basically, Moses from that point on had to wear a veil whenever he talked to people so they couldn't see his face. And when he would go into the tent to meet with God, he would take the veil off. This is amazing, isn't it? This is amazing. Now, next week, we're going to see the, te- the tabernacle is dedicated. So we're going to see the dedication of the tabernacle, and that's going to bring us all the way through the end of Exodus. So we're going to finish up Exodus next week, all right? Now the week after that, we're going to do an introduction into the next book of the five, which is the book of Leviticus. Boy, the book of Leviticus, don't you love the book of Leviticus? It's just law. You guys give up reading through the Bible once you hit there. Do you understand? So, we're gonna start, but we're not, look, fuck, we're gonna take it in portions so that we can survive through the book of Leviticus, okay?